0: Ladies, gents and droids, welcome to Host, the podcast commentating on the world of tech and society. I'm your host, Lloyd, and accompany me as our producer, Snare. We're here to give you the latest intel on companies, both big and small, who want to contribute to the future of society and how tech is going to shape it. Our guest on this episode is Patrick McConnell, co-founder of Slips, a startup seeking to set right the wage gaps that exist in work. They empower you into deciding the fate of your salary and potential by giving you accessible data in your sector and across the country. Through that knowledge, you have the ability to earn the wage you deserve and plan for your next career move. This is especially important because we no longer have jobs for life, we have careers for life. So, Patrick, one of the missions of host um, further to the network of startups and technology being um, put in one specific place and, and, and hosted by us is really to try and make sure that the community who has an awful lot of power moving forward uh, doing the right things. Mm. And your company is 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 one of those, right? If it goes really well, where you're going to have this data, which, like you said, could be sold, etc., etc. Well is really encouraging is so many founders that we're talking about seem to have great ethics, but it gets into the wrong hands and it's a catastrophe. Mm -hmm. On that point, what can we do to regulate startups? Because startups are always gonna try and take every inch so that they have profit, um, so that they can carry on, even with you, even though you might not want to have a billion pounds or whatever it might be, you do want this company it's a passion yep. to be successful and overheads come and uh cash flows tight and then you think
1: hmm what yeah, do i have good decision to make ah
0: i've got some data i could sell <laughs> to not a great person
1: yeah um you know i think that's a really interesting question right and i think it, it does there's the law, there's ethics and there's morals in every sphere of life, right? And um, and sometimes they don't all agree. And uh, let's take an example uh, to work through. That's not me right now. Um, and that would be Uber, right? Uber is illegal in countries. Swerving. Uh, let's put I'm, it on Uber. <laughs> I'm happy to come back to no I that. Think, I think it's an no, interesting no, example to yes. tease yeah. out where these different lines are, right? Because, you know, Uber, it, you know, it has, has technically, you know, from a, just a pure taxi cab company thing operated illegally, I guess. Is it in France where they're facing millions of pounds in fines? And is it India as well, where they're just saying in no way, shape or form are we going to accept Uber? Um, so th- but they didn't. Did they care? Do they not launch the app in France? Does it no, they, they they kind of continue regardless and they kind of say whatever legal battles come, we will fight those on the beaches and it's worth it, you know, for us to to go there and whatever, you know, I'm not a legal expert on taxi law in France. Uh, but that was essentially kind of the kind of decision that they made. Is that ethically or morally wrong also I you know of sure people can debate both ways right um, and and then, regardless, take France and now look at London that this we, we are talking about the ethical moral dilemmas about how cheaper automated things in the workforce put people out of work so you know it's a it's a really difficult thing but um, when it comes down to just so how do you regulate for that? I have no idea personally, I really couldn't tell you the answer to that um in terms of slips, you know, there's there's kind of a reason why I come on this podcast, and my face is on the website, and so is Tom's, and we talk about what we do and explain clearly how we plan to make you know money by selling the aggregate data. Never anyone's individual anything is the aggregate of the information, the big picture. That's important.
0: Yeah, agreed. And what's encouraging is, you know, there are other founders that are doing incredible things. Like let's say Tom from Monzo, who's sat on an awful lot of data right now yep. and their whole um, strategy and this is also like Ricky Knox at tandem as well is they're gonna allow the consumer to see how banks previously would have made money out of that data yep. and if it's your data how about we share in that profit I, and I think yeah. that's fantastic and that's why there needs to be a community and I think how do you regulate tech is incredibly tough because human always wants to, humans always want to progress. Um, so we don't particularly want to halt it, but I think it's getting a community of people who um, broadly have the right type of ethics together.
1: I think you, that's, a, yeah, that's a, I 100% agree, you know, um, and I think that concept of using about data and who owns it is really interesting, and clearly this GDPR thing is actually, you know, the individual owns it, which is great.
0: Yeah, it, it, gives, it gives the individual um, a feel-good experience so that's constructive i've got um, a really exciting question for you i know that um, you're passionate about artificial intelligence but i want to talk about how it might infect employment given what slips is doing first i'm just <laughs> going to open my beer
1: thank you for mine as well appreciate it it's a friday my pleasure
0: Snare. how are Mind you enjoying me? your coca-cola
2: it's delicious is it <laughs> it's just
0: normal coca-cola
2: diet you cake. didn't
0: oh Diet it i've got a
1: fact about diet coke Free to if, it's
2: this later. if it's, <laughs> it's going to give me cancer, I don't want No, no, it. it's not that fact. It's actually okay. it's
1: the least popular drink you can order on an airline because from the air stewardess's point of view, because, because of the pressurisation in the cabin and how extra bubbly it is because of the different kind of ingredient makeup. This is where my fact gets more <laughs> less factual based, but this bit is true, apparently. <laughs> um... Yeah, it takes like triple or quadruple the time to actually pour out. So you really slow down an air stewardess if you ask for a Diet Coke as opposed to a regular Coke.
2: I'm actually going to order one every single time. I oh, I don't just know. Just the kind of person you are, aren't you? <laughs> I, <I'm... laughs> um, Oh dear. <laughs> just
0: just, just on, on opening that beer from Brewdog, Dead Pony Club, which is um, a session parallel, 3.8%. Cool. Right, so... Um... <laughs> What do you think is going to happen when automation really starts killing off jobs in certain sectors? So how do you think that will, for instance, affect the economy, people and their
1: lifestyles? I think it will affect it all massively. And if we don't take the appropriate steps between uh, government, um, society at large, and media, plus companies, uh, we could really make a hash of this. Um... Let's take a sort of more stark example. Looking at Trump's America today, um, you know he ran on a platform of job creation, uh, which is you know great, um, but kind of blamed international trade for it and chi- China, and Mexico for it. So was basically. that was that a Trump impression? Oh, I'm really bad at impressions. Uh, <laughs> let's, was. let's hear it
0: again. China. i
1: <laughs> from China. No, that's terrible. I apologise. Um, you know, and 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 you know. The area he was talking about was, you know, uh, the Midwest coal mining, and we've had a debate here. Yeah.
0: I think it was something like 67% of jobs in China will be automated. They?
1: yeah I did not know that. I did not know that. And that, that's interesting for a whole other sway of the reasons. But you know, and maybe that maybe he has a point. That I'm not going to get into the pros and you know, cons of all that kind of stuff. That this is a whole different podcast entirely. But actually, well, the problem, not the problem, yeah, a problem that is arising and it's not necessarily anyone's fault is right at home in America, right? The West Coast and automation is the source of, will be the source of major job loss. And, you know, I I am a Trekkie, I confess. And in that world, um, you know, people don't have to work because machines do everything and they've got great technology. um, And Trekkonomics is a hell of a field to actually, you can actually look at it and see how they kind of go about it. Uh, But ultimately it comes down to something we need a response to that because ultimately you know if you take a, a horrendous you know uh, example right horses were our major form of transportation it was the fastest way we could communicate to travel to get anywhere to pull loads anything whatever it was it was the horse and i can't actually remember the, the various population sizes but before sort of the car and telegrams and things like that the say the horse population was 8 billion or whatever, I really don't know the number, but it's this percentage drop, which is my point. As soon as we had this technology, kind of the the years, it dropped about, you know, 100,000 sort of in comparison to the population. It's not that number, but it was just a massive decline in the population of the horse, because we didn't need any more. We didn't have to breed it for for anything, right? It's for riding around, and what do you use a horse for? For fun. The idea that, you know, the automation will create more jobs is not gonna, I don't think that's the way it goes. It's 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 to reduce and automate you know the amount you know new people so i think you need a a radical solution really to this problem and it's the unfortunately i think the, they had a vote of it does, in does, Switzerland. does
0: star trek have that i, d- I don't know what it, I, bet, you know, I think the answer we're, <laughs> that is being talked about in
1: some stuff is this idea of a universal salary um yes. where you get paid uh, just for living you know yeah. and then you are allowed to go and hey maybe start a business with that money yeah. right because you've got that security you don't it's less of a risk yeah. I think that's great. Or, you know,
0: I think that's a disaster. I think that um, people have and will want to feel like they're creating their own value. And I think by taking here's your universal salary away, what will happen on an individual basis is people become entrepreneurial. So we'll move from where you got your degree and you were working at a law firm which is going to be a particular victim of automation and yes, is, it is. is already. I think IBM Watson just yeah. in one hour did something like 60,000 hours of legal work, yeah. right? Um, and do you think, does that person really want to sit there and go through these huge documents and blackline? No. So it's like all the industrial revolutions. What's going to happen is people are going to lose their job. So in current time, That's really sad and we need to think about how we deal with that, but then if you evolve it to 10, 20, 50 years, people are going to have to create their own added value. And that's what I think is happening already in the startup community. So those are going to be focused on wellness, they're going to be focused on more creativity. So I think most people agree that hopefully we'll be okay. One other thing as well, Patrick, might be that actually we get a population decrease
2: you know who really destroyed automation and the idea of automating jobs? It was definitely Disney. Whenever I think of automation, I immediately think of that film and what it's gonna to do to people. People are just gonna sit around in these big chairs and like drive around and they're gonna be really huge yeah, yeah, and yeah. robots are gonna do all the kind of legwork for them.
0: Next date night I'm gonna watch Wally. Sounds like a dream. Oh, um, so cute that little <laughs> <laughs> oh, we've got another impression. Oh, no, I don't know, like, <laughs> impressions. I'm, I'm terrible at myself
1: before we started. How have I got myself in this position?
0: Now? So, with um, Slips, you um, guys started relatively recently. You've made some really good progress. I think you just got into another accelerator.
1: Yeah, that's right. Um, we have I've just finished um, uh, the boot camp of an accelerator that is across the whole of the country. Um, called entrepreneurial spark e-spark for short um, and it's uh wholly sort of funded by NatWest. west so it's a free accelerator um they have different levels of uh of sort of stage you can apply at four stages one is just um the do you have an idea and you're still at work you want to come and get it tested over three months and pull it apart and then various stages ahead of that so yeah we're, we're on one of the later stages um and it, it well, it's day two uh, technically. So, you know, but it seems really good. Um, strong partners into um, enterprise, um, and how you know how does Dell go about their sales? They're really good salespeople, but you know and that that kind of stuff. Is how
0: arduous was the process to be accepted?
1: Not hard at all. Um, I mean, so a key principle, right, for anyone you know looking to do to do a startup is network is king. I would say you know starting before you have cash, then cash is king. Um, but it, Everything that has made Slips a success has been going, starting through my network and then looking at, getting introductions and who do I know? And I, I'm, you know, everyone hates networking, or I, I certainly like have a passion against it, but it needs to be done. Um, you know, so the way we got our first funding for so I'll tell that quick story, you know, I, I left my job <laughs> and I sublet left my room. I was living in, very kindly at a friend's uh, place. This is, this
0: is, room. this is where in the future Slips would just like flash red make an emergency noise and be like, no, don't is, do it. You're going to be poor for seven years. This is not the for
1: pension <laughs> contributions. let me tell you. Um, yeah, uh, but so, so that's <laughs> why I'm not even looking at my network because I had to learn this the hard way. So I was going through making a pitch day thinking about the business model. I don't know how wrong I was about a lot of stuff back then. Uh, so this was literally about a year ago now, September. Um, and I then, right, so I'm doing a startup. Who do I know in startups? I had one friend from university the only one I knew who left, instead of going on the tra- traditional grad scheme thing, he went to work for, on Fido, and his name's Ed Allen, um, and he did really well there. I think he was like one of the very, very early employees, and he's just done super well. So I sent him a message, hey man, would you check over my pitch day, any advice you have about startups having seen one, you know, at a late stage in comparison to us, but early for them, um, and he said, and he did, and he looked and gave me some feedback, but the important thing he did was, I'm gonna pass this on to my COO, who is um, one of the founders, he's great, and I learned another lesson there about, I sent him the mail, he didn't respond, I kind of went away all and didn't bother him again. I then got other feedback, made the deck a hell of a lot shorter, sent it back to him, and he said, I see you've learnt the lesson of brevity. And I was like, yes. <laughs> <laughs> you haven't learned the lesson of following up, Aggressively. Uh, you need to send me an email every other day if I'm not getting back to you. And eventually I would, because I saw it, I wanted to help, I started it, then I I wouldn't go back to it. And that's everyone does that all the time. Um, you've got to keep going back incessantly until they say, look, I can't help you. No, then you go away. And that's that's how now I approach emails. Um, anyway, he then introduced me to two people who'd funded him. I met them both, they're both VCs, we're way too early for them. Uh, they, then one of them introduced us to two angels who'd made a business like ours before. Contributed data set business is, you know, we pull data from wherever you can and sell it, essentially. Um, uh, and we met them uh, uh, for a coffee, They they'd and then they agreed to invest in us, and that was what gave us that sort of, that oomph to go. And it all started from just, who do I know in a startup that I know? And as a mate from uni, you know, and that was it. Uh, and similar then, for, uh, you know, Entrepreneurial Spark or any accelerator you might apply to, or anything you might apply to ever, try and search for the human that's going to read the form uh, behind it in some way, or or a third degree, six degrees of separation, that's what you've got to find. There's only six steps away, you just have to work really hard to find that route. Uh, But then uh, that's how I learned about Entrepreneurial Spark and then I said on the form, look, I know someone that's been through it, he says it's really good, I want to apply, and that was obviously beneficial.
0: Incredible advice. So as somebody who gets um, infinite uh, business development emails on a daily basis, Mm. which Go straight into my clutter. Um, it's a good feature, isn't it? <laughs> so good. So good, yeah. Um, the way that I decide how to spend my time in responding, which is categorized by not responding, um, reading and not responding, responding, mm-hmm. proactively responding, is if there is a connection that's brought that person to me. And the connection can be a person, um, a mutual contact, or the connection can be some affiliated, uh, business venture, etc. So the advice is, you know, to people looking to go raise money or to potentially apply to a company that they want oh, yeah, to exactly. work for is find the person, brilliant advice, But don't necessarily, you know, come out straight away with like transactionally. This this is this is what I want. Um, The best thing to do is typically ask for advice. Yes, and advice can turn into either capital or it can turn into a relationship or it can turn into a job.
1: The maxim in in, um, startup land when you are trying to raise money is ask for money, get advice. Ask for advice, get money. Yeah, and I found that definitely to be true. Um, just two quick things I think people should read. Just I can't remember the name of the first one, right? But it's actually how in Silicon Valley, it's called the Art of the Introduction, and how introductions are actually a currency. But if you Google sort of the you know Silicon Valley West Coast, the art of the introduction, I can't remember who wrote it right now. That's just an important thing about how to handle email things, because I was pretty awkward about it and overthought many, many one-liner emails. Um, and the second thing, just on the form, you know, whenever you have a form to fill in, read Dropbox's application to Y Combinator. Uh, is when he was a solo founder he built a lot of it he looked uh, he, and he applied to Boycott which is an amazing you know uh, accelerator uh, but it's how to come across really well on a form you know he was just super honest straightforward concise and funny on it and I, that just read that as a good example because people get over formal with forms I think that's those two things are worth a read because you're going to have to fill in forms and you're going to have to get introductions via an email and those two resources have been super for me
0: if you aren't yourself in communication or in your job then you're basically working, right? Because you're having to put some type of game face facade on. If you're just yourself, then, you know, even if you don't get everything that you're going for, at least you're happy because you don't have to think about it. Some humor, informal, precise is the best way to always um, go. So to finish up, um, what's next? What have you guys got um, in the short term? And then, where are you trying to get?
1: Uh, yeah, it's a great question. Um, uh, so you know, right now we are we we built the sort of the end user sort of employee side where a user signs up free, tells us some information, we tell them some information. That's ticking over now. We're building up pictures of companies and industries in the UK. Wow,
0: Patrick, when you say built. Um, I'm interested in how you go around that. So your founder is a computer science graduate, yeah. technical. So great combination with you to your strategy, uh, finance, and all things language. Yes. <laughs> and he's computer science. Um, do he's built the product himself? All himself. Would you guys have considered using uh, technical consultancy? So, for instance, and I'm look forward to when your product. Um, covers different territories, let's say, across Europe. So you could see that, for instance, in Bucharest, a developer costs three times less than in the UK. Uh, Would you consider that?
1: Uh, Not not at the stage, not not at the beginning. Um, The first question you're asked by any investor, really, is do you have tech in the team? Um, And if the answer to that is no, it's not the best um, sort of answer to give. um, I think you need to know your product, you need to know your business, you need to be able to hear conversations, whether you're, you're trying to, you know, build something that someone wants to buy or someone wants to sign up for, you need to be in those conversations and you need to have the authority to be able to change it quickly. And also you don't have a lot of money at the start to pay these guys is another really, you know, uh, limiting factor. So, but you need to know it in and out, you know, what is, um, but then also have the authority to change it and only the founders have that. Um, down the line, yeah, then it's not cost-efficient for Tom to build every feature and for me to test it a little bit. You know, that, that, that is not scalable, but at the beginning you need to be right in it.
0: Cool. Um, and then what's next?
1: So, um...
0: Cracking open another. <laughs> yeah. Brewdog, dead pony club, 3.8%, <laughs> parallel. Is we fine. But... Uh, surely these guys are going to give us some money for, like, that, but yeah. I've said it twice
1: now. Big yeah, are yeah, really interesting. But actually, they were on Entrepreneurial Spark as well. Like, <laughs> today. Yeah. So, or, or they won an award that Entrepreneurial Spark host. I actually need to to go fact straight <laughs> there. That's a really quick slide. Um, what is Nexus Lips? Right. So there's, there's interesting conversations happening right now around the UK in terms of uh, the gender pay gap, uh, uh, the ethnicity pay gaps, and then you look at the, you know, the combined thing there. And our, you know, our data shows there is a gender pay gap. It starts before the average age of motherhood. So what's going on there, you know, uh, at, at the companies that we've, you know, we've got data on? <clears throat> um, you know, that's that's a thing. That's 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 an interesting factor. So we are looking to develop essentially really in light of that, plus the fact that companies want to get pay. I truly believe companies, most companies want to do the right thing, you know, a I think it's more productive for their employees to know and be certain about wages and salaries and how they're being rewarded. Yeah. B is a litigation risk if you don't, um, and and see the right thing to do. Um, so ultimately, we're, we're building a that where Slips makes its money ideally is we build a product that helps companies answer those questions on reward, total reward, and also career progression um, and so that they can intelligently talk to their employees about, look, this is how you're rewarded, this is how it compares to the market, and ultimately, if you stay at this company for five years instead of three, this is where you'll end up, and this is the progression that we will give you, and this training course comes out of it, and you will be in this position, and then maybe it's time to release you um, to another company, because it's not right for you to stay here, because you know we're, we're a pyramid, every, every company is a pyramid, so you're gonna hit this bit, there's no point waiting around for a partner to die, or whatever it is, you should move somewhere else. Um, and that's, that's kind of where we'd love to get companies to is a stage where, you know, they are that open with their employees and, and they have the facts to back it up. Take the hearsay out of the conversation, open the laptop, point at the graph and say, this is it.
0: There's, there's, there's nothing um, more rewarding, actually, and this is uh, from my own experience than in due course when an employee has shown loyalty and has been super productive and fitted into the culture than saying, like, right now, probably actually it's a better thing for you to go elsewhere. Look, you know, you've learned from us what you can. I think the tasks aren't as exciting and constructive as you might want. And there's just good karma, and these people go into the workplace elsewhere, and in due course, you know, these things can benefit even mm-hmm. transactionally or it's just to feel good. So yeah. I, I think that well, yeah. what, what you're, what you're going to be able to do is actually, like, visually quantitatively show that and yeah. that's going to be that's the aim. incredible Absolutely. yeah you
1: know because it's coming whether you like it or not this is how it, the gig economy is on the rise people are moving more often than ever before there will be an advantage by embracing this kind of transparency and getting ahead of the curve and being informed on it i think for companies that that is our bet you need, doing transparency in the right way doesn't hurt people and actually helps your company And
2: kind of on a final note um Because you brought up gender and diversity. I don't know if you've heard of FDM Group. um, Uh, Yeah, I
1: think
2: so. Or Code First Girls. Yes. They're two organisations that I really champion and look up to because they prioritise so much about the gender pay gap and getting uh, women who've had children back into work, especially FDM Group. Yes, Um, that's important. Yeah, I mean, I I attended this... um, uh, this uh, event on international women's day at fdm group and it was about returners to work yeah um, and it featured some really incredible women who'd gone away for a year who worked in tech or in consulting um, had a child took maternity leave for about a year and were really overwhelmed by the idea of going back into work because they were so scared of you know not not being up to date on the progressions in the tech industry um and they felt there was a huge skills gap between where tech is now and where it was when they were actually in work um an fdm group take them they put them in a course they reskill them well upskill them i should say um and and they allow them to enter the workplace with a bit more confidence um and it's kind of organisations like that, are you working with any, Are you do you seek to work with any and would you in the future?
1: Uh, we absolutely do, you know, seek to work with these kind of organisations. Um, we've just started the conversation with the Low Pay Commission, uh, which is a sort of government-backed um, organisation to look at, um, you know, un- underpaying individuals. Um, I'd love to work with the FTM group. I have read about their work. I think, you know, you know I, I talked about something, a massive societal change that I think we need to make in 20 years' time or whatever about universal pay for not even doing any work. I think, you know, how we approach, you know, motherhood, uh, paternity, maternity leave, reintegrating people, you know, companies need to do more to get this right. And actually, like everything as an eternal optimist, it will be in their interest to do it, you get, a, you know, another good worker passionate about your business working for you, what's wrong with that. Um, so it's good that there are, it's fantastic that there are these kind of organizations doing that kind of work, my hope for where Slips fits into it is we can provide you some unarguable numbers. And I think that's ultimately where Slips sits is let's get unarguable data.
0: Amazing. Patrick, um, I think what you guys are doing is awesome and it's nice to know that you've got such great ethics. So if this does go well, uh, we trust you will do it in the right way. Um, What are you up to this weekend?
1: I am off to uh, Grantham with uh, my girlfriend and a friend of mine and his girlfriend too. Um, go s- swimming but like with like massive slides of s- swimming <laughs> <laughs> a water park a water park guess i never been, i've never been to one in the uk you know i've i've never swam at a beach in the uk and I've, I've, wow. i really try not to get in the water where, but, where, you, where you, even's Grantham? oh it's about uh, it's an, like a, an hour out of um, King's Cross North, I think, oh, cool. essentially. Maybe a bit. I've no idea, really. I just passed it on the train. I'll see you there. All right. <laughs> yeah, water park is the word. Yeah, fantastic. That's fantastic. Okay, cool stuff. Great having you on. Cheers, Patrick. Cheers. Thank you very much, guys.
0: Thanks for tuning into this fascinating episode with Patrick. As we're in the midst of Game of Throne hype, I'm going to leave on this note Chaos is a ladder. Please share this episode if you've enjoyed it. And tag us at the host app on Twitter and host on Facebook. Host over and oot.